Welcome to the Bible in 260 podcast, the podcast that brings you through the entire Bible in 260 days. Have you ever wanted to read the whole Bible but struggled to do so? This podcast is meant to help you do it. With five 15 to 20 minute episodes per week, you will hear the entire Bible read to you. There will also be occasional brief notes to help explain context, as well as a concluding question or thought to consider. So welcome to the Bible in 260 podcast, your journey through the Bible in 260 days. Welcome to episode 189. Today on the episode, we'll be looking at the theme of being reconciled to God. The theme of the entire Bible in one sense is how we turned our backs on God, and yet God in his grace and his mercy pursues us and reconciles us to himself. And we see this in various time periods throughout Israel's history in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, how God continues to pursue his people and bring them back to himself, reconciling them in a way that only is possible through his grace and his love. And so let's see how this works out in the life of Josiah, found in 2 Kings 22, Psalm 73, and then 2 Corinthians 5. So 2 Kings 22. Josiah was eight years old when he became king, and he reigned for 31 years in Jerusalem. His mother was Jedidah, daughter of Adiah, from Boscath. He did what the Lord approved and followed in his ancestor David's footsteps. He did not deviate to the right or the left. In the 18th year of King Josiah's reign, the king sent to the scribe Shaphan, son of Azaliah, son of Meshulam, to the Lord's temple with these orders. Go up to Hilkiah the high priest and have him melt down the silver that has been brought by the people to the Lord's temple and has been collected by the guards at the door. Have them handed over to the construction foremen assigned to the Lord's temple. They in turn should pay the temple workers to repair it, including craftsmen, builders, and masons, and should buy wood and chiseled stone for the repair work. Do not audit the foremen who disperse the silver, for they are honest. Hilkiah the high priest informed Shaphan the scribe, saying, I found the scroll of the law in the Lord's temple. Hilkiah gave the scroll to Shaphan, and he read it. Shaphan and the scribe went to the king and reported, Your servants melted down the silver in the temple and handed it over to the construction foreman assigned to the Lord's temple. Then Shaphan the scribe told the king, Hilkiah the priest has given me a scroll. Shaphan read it aloud before the king. When the king heard the words of the law scroll, he tore his clothes. The king ordered Hilkiah the priest Ahikam, son of Shaphan, Agbor, son of Micaiah, Shaphan, the scribe, and Azai, the king's servant, go seek an oracle from the Lord for me and for the people, for all Judah. Find out about the words in this scroll that has been discovered. For the Lord's great fury has been ignited against us because our ancestors have not obeyed the words of this scroll by doing all that it instructs us to do. So Hilkiah, the priest, Ahikam, Akbor, Shaphan, and Isaiah went to Alhalda the prophetess, the wife of Shulam, son of Tikva, son of Harhas, the supervisor of the wardrobe. She lived in Jerusalem, in the Mishnah district. They stated their business, and she said to them, This is what the Lord God of Israel has said. Say this to the man who sent you to me. This is what the Lord has said. I am about to bring disaster on this place and its residents, all the things in the scroll that the king of Judah has read. This will happen because they have abandoned me and offered sacrifices to other gods, angering me with all their idols they have made. My anger will ignite against this place and will not be extinguished. 
Say this to the king of Judah, who sent you to seek an oracle from the Lord. This is what the Lord God of Israel has said concerning the words you have heard. You displayed a sensitive spirit and humbled yourself before the Lord when you heard how I intended to make this place and its residence into an appalling example of, a cur- of an accursed people. You tore your clothes and wept before me, and I have heard you, says the Lord. Therefore, I will allow you to die and be buried in peace. You will not have to witness all the disaster I will bring on this place. Then they reported back to the king. The king summoned all the leaders of Judah and Jerusalem. The king went up to the Lord's temple, accompanied by all the people of Judah, all the residents of Jerusalem, the priests and the prophets. All the people were there, from the youngest to the oldest. He read aloud all the words of the scroll of the covenant that had been delivered in the Lord's temp- discovered in the Lord's temple. The king stood by the pillar and renewed the covenant before the Lord, agreeing to follow the Lord and to obey his commandments, laws, and rules with all his heart and being by carrying out the terms of his covenant recorded on this scroll. All the people agreed to keep the covenant. The king ordered Hilkiah, the high priest, the high-ranking priests, and the guards to bring out of the Lord's temple all the items that were used in the worship of Baal, Asherah, and all the stars of the sky. The king burned them outside of Jerusalem in the terraces of Kidron and carried their ashes to Bethel. He eliminated the pagan priests whom the kings of Judah had appointed to offer sacrifices on the high places in the cities of Judah and in the area right around Jerusalem. They offered sacrifices to Baal, the sun god, the moon god, the constellations, and the stars in the sky. He removed the Asherah pole from the Lord's temple and took it outside Jerusalem to the Kidron Valley where he burned it. He smashed it to dust and then threw the dust in the public graveyard. He tore down the quarters of the male cultic prostitutes in the Lord's temple where the women were weaving shrines for Asherah. He brought all the priests from the cities of Judah and ruined the high places where the priests had offered sacrifices from Geba to Beersheba. He tore down the high place of the goat idols situated at the entrance of the gate of Joshua, the city official, on the left side of the city gate. Now the priests of the high places did not go up to the altar of the Lord in Jerusalem, but they did not eat unleavened cakes among their but they did eat unleavened cakes among their fellow priests. And the king ruined Topheth in the valley of Benhoanim, so that no one could pass his son or daughter through the fire to Molech. He removed from the entrance of the Lord's temple the statues of horses that the kings of Judah had placed there in honor of the sun god. They were kept near the room of Nathan Melech, the eunuch, which was situated among the courtyards. He burned up the chariots devoted to the sun god. The king tore down the altars of the kings of Judah that they had set up on the roof of Ahaz's upper room, as well as the altars Manasseh had set up in the two courtyards of the Lord's temple. He crushed them and threw the dust in the Kidron Valley. The king ruined the high places east of Jerusalem, south of the Mount of Destruction, that King Solomon of Israel had built there for the detestable Sidonian goddess Astart, the detestable Moabite god Chemosh, and the horrible Ammonite god Milcom. He smashed the sacred pillars to bits, cut down the Asherah poles, and filled those shrines with human bones. He also tore down the altar in Bethel at the high place made by Jeroboam son of Nebat, who encouraged Israel to sin. He buried, he burned all the combustible items all that, at that high place and crushed them to dust, including the Asherah pole. When Josiah turned around, he saw the tombs there on the hill. So he ordered the bones from the tombs to be brought. He burned them on the altar and defiled it, just as the Lord's message that was announced by the prophet while Jeroboam stood by the altar during a festival. 
Then the king turned and saw the grave of the prophet who had foretold this. He asked, What is this grave marker I see? The men from the city replied, It's the grave of the prophet who came from Judah and foretold these very things you have done to the altar of Bethel. The king said, Leave that one alone. No one must touch his bones. So they left his bones undisturbed, as well as the bones of the Israelite prophet buried beside him. Josiah also removed all the shrines on the high places in the cities of Samaria. The kings of Israel had made them and angered the Lord. He did to them what he had done to the high place in Bethel. He sacrificed all the priests of the high places on the altars located there and burned human bones on them. Then he returned to Jerusalem. The king ordered all the people, saying, Observe the Passover of the Lord your God as prescribed in this scroll of the covenant. He issued this edict because a Passover like this had not been observed since the days of the judges who led Israel. It was neglected for the entire period of the kings of Israel and Judah. But in the eighteenth year of King Josiah's reign, such a Passover the Lord was observed in Jerusalem. Josiah also got rid of the ritual pits used to conjure up spirits, the magicians, personal idols, disgusting images, and all the detestable idols that had appeared in the land of Judah and in Jerusalem. In this way, he carried out the terms of the law recorded on the scroll that Hilkiah the priest had discovered in the Lord's temple. No king before or after repented before the Lord as Josiah did, with his whole heart, soul, and being in accordance with the whole law of Moses. Yet the Lord's great anger against Judah did not subside. He was still infuriated by all the things Manasseh had done. The Lord announced, saying, I will also spurn Judah, just as I spurned Israel. I will reject this city that I chose, both Jerusalem and the temple, about which I said I will live there. Now the rest of the events of Josiah's reign and all his accomplishments are recorded in the scroll called the Annals of the Kings of Judah. During Josiah's reign, Pharaoh Necho, king of Egypt, marched toward the Euphrates River to help the king of Assyria. King Josiah marched out to fight him, but Necho killed him at Megiddo when he saw him. His servants transported his dead body from Megiddo in a chariot and brought it to Jerusalem, where they buried him in his tomb. The people of the land took Josiah's son Jehoahaz, poured olive oil on his head, and made him king in his father's place. And that's where we'll leave it for this time uh, in the story of the kings. But we see in the life of Josiah this incredible returning to God, this repentance, this uh, willingness to say to God, I will do things your way rather than my way and see God show his grace and his favor to him as a result. And so we see this incredible turning back. But now we turn to Psalm 73, which is an interesting psalm because it speaks of the journey, the inward fight and battle of a person who knows God is good, but who's struggling when he looks around and sees all the good things that are happening to people who don't seem to care about God, who don't follow God's ways, and he feels envious of them. And yet, The psalm concludes where he realizes that God is the God who will bring justice, but also is a God of mercy and grace, a God who is lovely, and a God who is worth more than anything else. And so Psalm 73 records this journey of a man struggling with envy of those who do not love God, but it's a story of hope and a story of God's grace. Psalm 73, a psalm by Asaph. Certainly God is good to Israel and to those whose motives are pure. But as for me, my feet almost slipped. My feet almost slid out from underneath me. For I envied those who are proud, as I observed the prosperity of the wicked. 
for they suffer no pain. Their bodies are strong and well-fed. They are immune to trouble common to men. They do not suffer as other men do. Arrogance is their necklace, and violence covers them like clothing. Their prosperity causes them to do wrong. Their thoughts are sinful. They mock and say evil things. They proudly threaten violence. They speak as if they rule in heaven and lay claim to the earth. Therefore they have more than enough food to eat and even suck up the water of the sea. They say, how does God know what we do? Is the Most High aware of what goes on? Take a good look. This is what the wicked are like, those who always have it easy and get richer and richer. I concluded, surely in vain have I kept my motives pure and maintained a pure lifestyle. I suffer all day long and am punished every morning. If I had publicized these thoughts, I would have betrayed your people. When I tried to make sense of this, it was troubling to me. Then I entered the precincts of God's temple and understood the destiny of the wicked. Surely you put them in slippery places. You bring them down to ruin. How desolate they become in a mere moment. Terrifying judgments make their demise complete. They are like a dream after one wakes up. O Lord, when you awake, you will despise them. Yes, my spirit was bitter, and my insides felt sharp pain. I was ignorant and lacked insight. I was as senseless as an animal before you. But I am continually with you. You hold my right hand. You guide me by your wise advice, and then you will lead me to a position of honor. Whom do I have in heaven but you? On earth there is no one I desire but you. My flesh and my heart may grow weak, but God always protects my heart and gives me stability. Yes, look, those far from you die. You destroy everyone who is unfaithful to you. But as for me, God's presence is all I need. I have made the sovereign Lord my shelter as I declare all the things you have done. It's just an incredible journey we see as a psalmist here, Asaph is recording the fact that even though he sees people prosper around who don't seem to ground him, that don't seem to care about God, that ultimately God is the ultimate source of true satisfaction, true joy, and true love. And finding his relationship growing with him, he knows that is where he will find his greatest delight, comfort, and strength as he returns to God again. And now we turn to 2 Corinthians 5, where the Apostle Paul speaks of God's work in people's lives, changing and shaping them, and having done this through a ministry of what he calls reconciliation. And so let's see what Paul is teaching us in 2 Corinthians 5. For we know that if our earthly house, the tent we live in, is dismantled, we have a building from God, a house not built by human hands, that is eternal in the heavens. For in this earthly house we groan, because we desire to put on our heavenly dwelling. If indeed, after we have put on our heavenly house, we will not be found naked. For we groan while we are in this tent, since we are weighed down, because we do not want to be unclothed, but clothed, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Now the one who prepared us for this very purpose is God, who gave us the Spirit as a down payment. Therefore, we are always full of courage, And we know that as long as we are alive here on earth, we are absent from the Lord. For we live by faith, not by sight. Thus, we are full of courage and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So then, whether we are alive or away, we make it our ambition to please him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, 
so that each one may be paid back according to what he has done while in the body, whether good or evil. Therefore, because we know the fear of the Lord, we try to persuade people, but we are well known to God, and I hope we are well known to your consciences too. We are not trying to commend ourselves to you again, but are giving you an opportunity to be proud of us so that you may be able to answer those who take pride in outward appearance and not in what is in the heart. For if we are out of our minds, it is for God. If we are, uh, if we are of sound mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ controls us, since we have concluded this, that Christ died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all so that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised. So then, from now on, we acknowledge no one from an outward human point of view. Even though we have known Christ from such a human point of view, now we do not know him in that way any longer. So then, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. What is old has passed away. Look, what is new has come. And all these things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and who has given us the ministry of reconciliation. In other words, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting people's trespasses against them, and he has given us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were making his appeal through us. We plead with you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become we would become the righteousness of God. The Apostle Paul here making it very clear that the only reason we are in new relationship or have a new life is because we're united to Christ, Jesus the one who became sin on our behalf, taking our sin upon himself and giving us his righteousness so that we would become the righteousness of God and new people who are actually trying to live out this new life in a way that speaks to others of the wonderful good news that God reconciles people to himself, that God does all that's necessary in and through Jesus. He's proven it. He's shown it. He's done it to take people like you and me to forgive us, to give us his righteousness, to make us new, to bring us into new relationship in that sense, to reconcile us completely to himself. What an amazing, gracious God who turns to people, draws them to himself, and reconciles them in a way that only he can. Thanks for listening to the Bible in 260 podcast. May what you have heard speak to your heart and mind today. The scriptures quoted are from the Net Bible, HTTP, netbible.com, copyright 1996, 2019, used with permission from Biblical Studies Press, LLC, all rights reserved. Our theme song for the podcast is The Call by Emily Ruth. You can find The Call and other music by Emily Ruth on Apple Music or Spotify or wherever you find your music. You are-